I was born in Paris. My parents are American, mm. uh, but they were living in Paris at the time. So I was born here. I was I grew up in New York City, but I was really brought up uh, bilingual and with a lot of French influence and uh, a lot of French culture. And I moved uh, back to Paris to live in 2008. I finished my drama, my actor training here, and then I've stayed ever since. So I've been a Paris-based actor, uh, and I'm completely bilingual. I think it's, isn't it, quite ironic, because you are, aren't you, at least half Jewish, am I right? I am, on my, from my mother's side, yes. And yet you are playing what I would call one of the most anti-Semitic characters in the play, in a way, in that you steal away the Jewish daughter and make her into a Christian and land up with at least half her father's money. So it's fascinating casting. So I want, really wanted to start by asking you, have you been particularly brought up Jewish? Uh, no. I mean, um, my, well, our immediate family is not in any way practicing. I would say, I mean, we sometimes celebrate certain holidays more as a way to get together as a family, because we don't all live in the same place. Mm. I guess it's more, yeah, more of a family thing. And since in Judaism, family is important, I would say that the uh, the bond uh, with the Jewish religion or ethnicity or whatever we want to call it is more uh, in that sense. You are sort of culturally Jewish then. I mean, you know, you, you've got the Jewish roots. Well, you, you can't get away from those, can you? So I it, guess it, not. <laughs> so it's there. I mean, it must still inform your feelings about the play and indeed about your roles. So can you talk a little bit about that? Tell me about you and the play, first of all. Well, to me, it's interesting. I, I think about the issue of of Judaism in the play sort of as this, this secondary I think, to me, for a number of reasons. I was having a conversation with my father, actually, a couple of days ago, about you know whether whether one can uh, qualify Shakespeare as anti-Semitic at all. If that's uh, when when we talk about the Merchant of Venice, if it, if to what extent we can say that it's anti-Semitism? And he, and he was arguing that it's it's difficult to say that in the in the sense that Shakespeare probably didn't know any Jews and there weren't really any Jews in England at the time, or very few. And I think, to me, the play is a lot more about money and um, in terms of the sort of contemporary resonances that the play has, for me at least. Um, I think it's a lot more, at least, first off, uh, about money, finance, the question of living beyond one's means, of being in debt, um, of spending other people's money very generously, um, and all these things that I think to, is, is very relevant to Western culture today. Um, and the fact that Shylock is Jewish was as important for Shakespeare that he was Jewish or, or that at the time the the trope or the cliche of the Jewish user was sort of a thing that was, you know, that everybody seemed to kind of know about and was able to identify in the way that it I mean it still is today in terms of the the, the, the cliche of the Jewish banker or the secret Jewish 
confederacy of people who seem who you know mm. control everything uh, uh, according to certain he's, people. He um, a, so I think that's where the play hits home for me mostly. So so he was sort of taking a stock character. There'd be the same sort of anti-Semitic paranoia that that we have now. You think, and yet that's just not Shakespeare's way. All the, all the characters are three-dimensional, and Shylock is certainly three-dimensional. So but maybe once he'd um, come up with Shylock, he had to get to know him. And and you know, I I talk a lot about that very central speech, which is when they sell that beautiful turquoise ring, you and Jessica, right. sell this ring, they give, you, give it for a monkey, and you're, you've gone on this spending spree, which is something you just talked about in a way, wasn't it? We'll come back to mm-hmm. that. Yeah, sure. And he, she, it is the ring that his late wife, Leo, gave him when they were betrothed. You know, I'm always quoting these lines. It was my turquoise. I had it of Leo when I was a bachelor. I would not have given it for a wilderness monkey. Uh, a speech I can hardly say without crying. So I just, you know, obviously to me, Shakespeare had the humanity of the man. And it, it is, all of those, not those Christian characters are, are, have a really nasty side, including sure. yours, because of what you do. You have beautiful scenes with Jessica, don't you? You know, the beautiful scene in the garden and all that. But nobody quite knows where that marriage is going or, or why, do they? I mean, what's no, your take? No, and, it, what, does, and hmm. it does start off, in a way, quite quite strangely in the sense that, I mean, not only, of course, does she elope with him and she's stolen as much money and jewelry and stuff as she could, as she could get uh, while she was leaving the house, but then there's also this whole thing about the, um, the torchbearer and how she's, uh, she's dressed as a boy in order to, to escape with him during, in the middle of the carnival, and uh, she feels very embarrassed about that. And he sort of, and he and he makes her bear the torch, um, further, you know, uh, putting her in a sort of delicate, kind of embarrassing situation. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's not necessarily a very promising <laughs> beginning. Yes. So, I like um, I like what you said because obviously she's a sort of nice Jewish girl, particularly in those days. She would have spent an awful lot of time cloistered up. In fact, it's not entirely clear how she ever got to meet you. She must have been out occasionally shopping or something. But yes, I mean the <laughs> idea that she's dressed as a boy and she's probably shinned down from the window, not that down whatever the seventeenth um, century equivalent of a drainpipe was. So, so um, yes, I, I, even I hadn't thought about that. So you've obviously gone into it very deeply, um, and and she the drain pipe she's going to be shinning down will be in the ghetto so to speak so um yeah so how do you see their their future then it's hard to say <laughs> i uh and honestly i don't know i think it's one of the great sort of mysteries of the play in the same way that uh, one of the things i really like about these two characters is that they have uh they're very present in the beginning and then they disappear because they're off on their honeymoon spending loads of money uh, out in Genoa or wherever they've gone, including uh, trading the, 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 the famous ring for a monkey. And then, and people, they, people talk about them a lot, but, but they're not there. And then they come back in the end. And so there's this also a mystery of what, what exactly went on. You know, it's is it, it did they did, do they why do they come back? Did they spend all the money? <laughs> um, you know, why do they? Uh, and 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 there's a lot of um, even even they so they end up coming back to uh, 
Belmont and meeting up with uh, Portia and Bassanio and Graziano just, just after Portia and Bassanio had gotten uh, engaged. Um, and the way Lorenzo tells it, it's almost by accident because they ran into Graziano like all, somewhere on the way and he was like, you, he said, you, you, should, you really ought to come to Belmont. And then they end up getting the keys to the to the castle, and uh, you know being uh, in, being in charge while um, while Portia is away, supposedly in the monastery, but actually posing as the as the young uh, lawyer, right? So so there's a sort of quality about their their story that is you know either they're very very fortunate, and that's the thing is that they're they're sort of they seem to be in fact rewarded for doing something that was pretty awful, actually, right? Yes. And, um, and I think that probably, for, I think, for Shakespeare and in Shakespeare's day, the play was, was a comedy, and um, that the, the ending is, was a happy ending at the, in the context of the time. I mean, uh, the fact that Shylock is uh, converted instead of being executed, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, today, that's, and that's why the, the play has such staying power, and while it's why it still continues to, to I think to touch us today and to um, question us in many ways, is that of course today in today's context we don't we don't see that as as a, a positive thing that he's forced to convert to Christianity, etc. But probably at the time, probably considered a pretty good. He 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 got a good uh, deal at the end. Yeah. Um, and it's curious. I mean, I think that's that's one of the very. Um, interesting and ambivalent things about the plays and is that you know bad behavior is not necessarily punished and in fact i think in lorenzo and jessica's case it's rewarded um and so there's there's not so much you know clarity in terms of the moral morals and the ethics of what's going on especially with these characters because we again we have a sort of glimpses of them but their their whole story is not is not fully embodied at least on stage. Yeah, so you've you've obviously thought deeply about the play and about your characters, and so you so you're going to sort of go have you so you're going to work out possibly a backstory with with uh, um, Michelle as to all the other things that you two have got up to when you've been on this. I love the honeymoon. Well, you've got this wonderful double honeymoon. As you say, things fall into your lap. You get to go to Genoa with, and then you get to come back and we don't know how long um, Portia and Nerissa are away, but uh, you, know, you get... you get. Uh, it's a bit like a really posh Airbnb for free, isn't it? <laughs> exactly, <Belmont>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and as you pointed out, it's, it's unclear how they even met in the first place. And I think those are, so those are also things that have to invent um and it's a it's a i think their 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 story is very rich uh and also in the connection with with shylock there's also the very very interesting character of the clown uh lancelot gogo mm. and he has you know who who was first shylock's servant and then goes into um becomes the Bassanio's valet and uh they have um she, he, and he. Well, I say she, I, I said she, and a sort of the actor is, is a woman. Yes. Uh, but they, they also have a, a special relationship, uh, which um, is illustrated in the fourth or the fifth act of it, but when they're in Belmont, which Lorenzo is perhaps even jealous about. Uh, I think it's, it 
a very touching relationship, Lorenzo and Jessica, because I think they're also they're very young, mm. and as bad perhaps as um, what they did uh, is, um, and as perhaps opportunistic as Lorenzo might be, because I think there's certainly a reading of the play in which we could say maybe he's, you know, a sort of an, an opportunist and 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 sniffed out a good a good catch but at the same time in that context uh could they have done otherwise even if their love was completely you know pure and genuine and and, and disconnected from all sort of material uh, uh uh considerations you know of course shylock would never have permitted his daughter to go off and marry a, a christian so the fact that they elope is almost you know, it's it, there's a I mean this could be a, a Romeo and Juliet story within within uh, this different context. Yes, right. And and, um, and and well, this story that doesn't end as badly, at least not that we know. Well, not not yet, anyway. <laughs> so let let's talk about does the ghetto have some resonance for you? Yes, the the idea of it is wonderful. And um, I also am a very big, uh, a big lover of, of theater outdoors and in um, places that aren't necessarily theaters and in places that already have a lot of evocative power. I think it will be powerful in, in, in many ways, both for, for us, for the artists and for the audience. I mean, already just the fact of being in the place where some of the story takes place and having a an idea of what that might have been like at the time will we'll certainly give a an, an immediacy to the story the, the the fact of being in in the location where where all this uh, or not all of it but where some of the story took place i mean the fact that the audience will come to this piazza and walk through those those streets, that'll that it'll be strong, mm. um, and it's something that uh, that I look forward also to how to say to sort of managing in a way because I think that uh, there's also I mean it's different when I think when you're uh, in the same way that uh, uh, that performing in a play. Um, even in a closed theater with a, with a, with the decor and a set is different from performing in a in a film where there's a set on location that looks you know very realistically like like the place that you're supposed to be in. Um, the, so this will have sort of the two elements, and I think as an as an actor, there's something that there's um, a balancing act of trying to evoke a, a fictional world, but also in within a, a context that's already uh, that already resonates.